מלוכים הבאים בשם השם מלכנוכים ועץ השם Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir Nishmas Ruzlum Basra Chachana Ve'ezra and Shem Ben Yitzchok and Mash Bas Yitzchok When a person achieves a milestone, they reach to a milestone finally here you see the finish line, you see the end of the tunnel such a, a relief by some people and sometimes it's pleasure to feel the accomplishment that you've accomplished what is accomplished by reaching to this point a few short weeks ago there was mass hysteria in most homes about Pesach Pesach is coming, oh no how, what, when, who will be, who will come to my Seder, who will eat with us, um, where will the food be, what food will we have, what cool. But that's a side problem. The cleaning, the Pesach cleaning, what was going on? Well, we got to the Seder, Baruch Hashem. We got through this Dharam Baruch Hashem, We got through the Chalamoid, with the trips, with the major decisions of where we're going for the trips. What are we doing? Where are we going to be? What are we going to do? How, what, where? The dust of Pesach has settled. I mean, I'm sure... A lot of credit cards that have to be paid and a lot of bills that have to still be paid, outstandings. And Hashem should supply and see to give everyone brachava that everybody should be able to pay what needs to be paid in a very easy and comforting fashion and respectable. story is told actually just about that Shabsay was a bookbinder how many people wanted needed a bookbinder service and Alta Shtetl your siddha mamish the Zayda siddha was falling apart you maybe went to the bookbinder the other people didn't have money either really so how much what So there was no big, he was not great Balpanos, as we say. He did not have any great phenomenal income. Many nights, he and his wife, Nebuch, went to sleep hungry, to say the least. But there was nothing you could do. This is what Akadosh Baruch Hu gave and decreed. They were determined... They were determined never to chasishon go out and to beg and to ask. Whatever Hashem gave them, Hashem gave them.
And, of course, one of the most beautiful days of the week. Shabbos. Shabbos was a beautiful, beautiful day that he looked forward to and his wife looked forward to. Pedal. One such Friday morning, there was nothing. There was not a penny to scrounge for. By wine, by challah. <laughs> they couldn't even buy a stub of a candle for Shabbos candles. They're not going to bend. They're not going to twist their principles. They're going to do what they have to do. Whatever Hashem will provide, Hashem will provide. Otherwise, what Shabbos will look like. The tradition was Shabbos Friday afternoon. Took himself off the shul and say to him, Ha! You're listening to the story and saying, oh, there it is, he's going to go to shul, someone's going to find him, give him money, and he's going to have money. Well, that would be a beautiful story. Shapsa came to shul, sat down, said his tilim. As Marva said, he said the parsha. Shul filled up. He started Kabbalah Shabbos. It was so beautiful, so wonderful. He wished it last forever. Songs of Lachadaini. Davening finished. And Shabsai kept his eyes focused on his siddha. Didn't look to his right, to his left. He wouldn't see the people saying a Shabbos. He nodded. He didn't want to make eye contact with anybody. Afraid they ask him why his windows are dark. He waited for the last participant to leave. And then he closed the sitter. And he said, let me drag myself home. <coughs> My poor wife must be sitting herself in the misery. I'll come home with her, at least I'll, we'll sit together. He comes to what he thought was his house. The house is shining lit up he checks again it's my house and he opens the door and there she is she's sitting there his wife is there she's chayel and his heart dropped did she lose it did she lose the faith she, was she not able to contain herself and did she go out and borrow money or something to the, or the fact beg for money to make this beautiful Shabbos. Beautiful laden table, chalas, wine, aroma of food. His wife turns to him and says, you're not going to believe this. Before he could ask the question, she had the answer. I was cleaning up a Shabbos and I found these gloves. 
Don't know where they came from. But on the gloves, there were buttons. The buttons were, believe it or not, were gold. They were real gold. They were real expensive gold. So expensive were they that I rented the store. And I redeemed two of them. And <coughs> here's our results. The Shabbos. Everything paid for, literally from Hashem. He used to say he was ecstatic. They didn't have to beg. They didn't have some barrel. But Kaddish Baruch was supplied. Did not want to leave them without a Shabbos. So was his joy, so strong was his excitement, he began to dance. And danced and danced and danced. Singing, twirling. Shalom Aleichem, Eishes Chayel. He was just elated. He was in a different world. Several miles away in Mezhibuz, the Bashem was sitting with Tamidim, and he began to laugh. Laughed, laughed. Tamidim was shocked. Bashem was known. Every emotion, every notion was, was only pure spirituality. What's going on here? The Bashem was laughing like this. But the Shabbos involved Kitsis, Zev Kitsis asked the Vashem HaKadosh what it was. He didn't answer. But he asked that the wagon, behind, the horses behind us, hooked up to the wagon, and the Tamilim should join him. This was not a novelty. As a matter of fact, it's said that there are more Matzai Shabbos and Thursday night stories of the Vashem and his horses and wagon. Then there were Thursday nights and Matzah Shabbos in Hashem to his life. But, we need to believe they could have happened. The Hashem gets into the wagon, and they go. Early morning hours, they arrive in Apt. The city of our bookbinder. And the Vashem sends the Tamidim to summon the bookbinder to come talk to him. Bookbinder is shocked, standing there in front of the Vashem what did the Vashem want from him? Vashem says, pray tell us what happened to you Friday night. And he tells the miraculous story of the gold buttons and how beautiful the Shabbos was. Vashem said, your dance, your singing and dancing here <coughs> caused such joy and simcha in heaven that it was announced that anything he wants, he can have. So I came here to bench you with anything that you would like. Needless to say, a poverty-stricken person like him would ask for gold and silver. But he tells the Balshemtiv, says Rebbe, he says, "What is gold and silver worth if we don't have children?" 
And so, Vashemtiv benched him that next year they will have a child. And the next year, the Vashemtiv journeyed once again to Ab to be the Sandik of this boy, Yisrael, who named in his honor, who grew up to be the cousin of Magid. We have bank accounts, 401ks, 401cs, whatever they're called. I don't know. Retirement funds, bitcoins, investments. We have to make a clean, <coughs> we have to make a vessel, there's nothing to talk about. Do we control our destiny? We do not control our destiny in any which way, form, or fashion. And therefore, whatever Akash Baruch Hu gives us, He gives us And we ask that we merit to see just that and feel just that, that everything comes from Akash Baruch Hu. And therefore, all the expenses of Pesach should be wiped and cleaned just as clean as Pesach was made by every Jewish woman, housewife. <coughs> All the debts should be cleaned as well. And everybody should merit to the Simcha V'tuv Le'vav, Nachas from the children, etc. With health, with good health. Traditionally, the Shiurim between Pesach and Shavuos have a little addition to them, and that is Mesechta Seita and Pirkeovis. Tradition is that we learn Mesechta Seita because it's 49 blot, and every night, one day in Svira, every day in Svira, we learn one daf in Svira, ultimately completing a Mesechta, which is the ideal way to lead up to Matan which is what happens during Svira. We lead up from Pesach, from the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim to Matan from the going out of the Golis to the accepting of the Tera once again on Chag I'm sure there are other people that their preparations are also very interesting. They're aging cheese so they can have a good cheesecakes and good cheese meals on Shavuos, so they take seven, these seven weeks opportunity to age their cheese, <coughs> and somebody listening to that just did a good laugh, and said, Rabbi, you have no idea what aging cheese involves, <laughs> you know what, you're probably right, and it was just a joke. But the preparations from Pesach to Shavuos, preparations to sh- for Shavuos, are far from trivial. Shavuos is nothing compared to Pesach, where Pesach, the eight days, we clean for eight weeks before, at least, and we cook for at least two weeks. And somehow, some way, we don't have any leftovers after Pesach, usually. Even better than that, <laughs> there's nothing left in the freezer, even. 
Um, it's a Baruch Hashem Pesach has a very very beautiful power to it where you literally just can't get sated you just don't get full and many people are not pita eaters and bread eaters all, all year long and comes Pesach no matter what they'll eat and Baruch Hashem you hear from a lot of people also that they lose weight over Pesach actually even though they keep eating Even if they cook in schmaltz. Um, so therefore, we prepare for Shavuos seven weeks. A two day yamtiv, or an Azazel one day. Just to be able to hear which we're going to talk about connection to our Pasha as well. The preparation of the weeks leading up to Shavuos are extremely spiritual, extremely deep. Therefore, learning a Masechta, an entire tractate of Gemara, of Talmud, each and every man and boy, makes it that much more special and brings in that much more sanctity and Kedusha into the action of a person. So we learn Masech to Seita, therefore we speak some throughout the weeks of Svira, something relevant to Masech to Seita, connected to Masech to Seita. Also it's known that from Shabbosim, between Pesach and Shavuos, we say Pirke Aves. Each week another Pedic. Being that, We had a little bit of a mishap with Ezzel this week. In that we had Achim Shal Pesach in Israel, they had Shabbos. They don't have the eighth day of Pesach. So. The Tvilas, the davening on Shabbos for us was Yamtif and for Netzel was Shabbos. They laid Pashas Achrimais, which we're going to lay this week. And they did not start Prikyavas, so they wait for us to start so that we do that at least in unity. But now we and Israel are going to be on different chapters, different channels, different stations for the next few weeks. In the reading, reading of the Torah portions, we're going to read one portion, Israel really going to read a different portion. So we also start the Pirkei <coughs> In Gmini Chabad, we say Pirkei every Shabbos, straight through the summer. Six Perakim. Pekiyav is known as Milsa the Chasidusa, the words of Chasidus. So we'd like to tie together, my granddaughter says, together, 
together. Um, with that tied together, Seita, Pikiovis, and our Pasha. In Pikiovis, in the first Mishnah, the last thing that the Chachamim, or Haim Amru, it says, they said, so we say that it means that Anshikinesegdela, but ultimately, the Mishnah starts off quoting, saying that Moshe, Yeshua, Nevi'im, Zkenim, and then Sahim could mean plural they said referring to which is how everybody translates it or we can even say that since the mission is enumerating all these people before they're all being quoted with this and they said three things but most importantly, always we finish with the most important, so that that should be remembered by everyone that hears it. And the Mishnah finishes off with Vasu Siaglatera. Make a boundary, a gather for Tera. The Siaglatera that we make is we keep ourselves in a holy way, in a sanctified way. And therefore, we make sure that we don't end up in predicaments and situations where Chas Shalom we can do Averis. The Parsha talks about the different people that one could marry, one could live with, and the different that we may not be. Mesech Seita tells us about a woman, a married woman, that spoke to other men or man, her husband warned her to stay away from him. And she went and spoke to him yet again. And not only spoke to him yet again, but were so went into a confined area alone together with him for a certain amount of time. And now the husband says that you were um, unfaithful. And due to unfaithfulness, we know the punishment of a married woman, Chasashom, unfaithful to her husband. 925, I think. A woman is unfaithful, Chasashom, to her husband, what this punishment is, Shachman al And they take, they go together, the husband and the wife go to the Beis Amigdash. And he says that my wife did not listen to me and I warned her in front of witnesses. And witnesses saw her. The matter goes on about if you need one witness or two witnesses. Saw her going into a place alone with this man. They spent a certain amount of time together in this secluded area. And I am suspecting that Chasashon, she sinned with him. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says this bothers me very badly very greatly and therefore I want you to write says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, on a parchment a certain parsha in the Torah with my name in it then erase that parsha, the words erase them and scratch off all that ink and put it into water and then there's a whole concoction that's put together 
which the woman is asked to drink. She has to bring a carbon. She has to drink this water, and this water is a test. If she is pure, she becomes pregnant with a beautiful child. If she was not, and she did sin, because she's in denial, this water will test her, and she unfortunately dies. Not going to go into how, what, and when. It's not the point. The point right now is how Masech Seita talks about a person that did not make a siagla teda, did not make that border, did not make themselves a gate for teda, and they went a little over that gate, they went out of their boundary, out of their realm, and therefore were tempted by the worst of worst sins. This is therefore we find in our parsha talking about the different marriage people that are fit for marriage, and in our par- and Mishnah Bekeavos talks about Susya Lateda, and the Masechta talks about the dinim of what has to happen with this woman, the wayward woman. Let us return to our parsha, as we started saying before, the build-ups that we wait for and we anticipate, with a great anticipation. The week before Pesach, we were saying Chitas, Chumash. The parsha of the week, as we said, we say Chumash and Rashi. The Chumash and Rashi was for parshas Achrei Mois. But then came Shabbos, and we laid Pesach. So we didn't lay Nachemais. So Shabbos came and went, and we started Sunday Chitas again, and again the Chumash was Achremais. And again we learned an entire week Achremais with Chumash and Rashi, and I'm sure we added something else to it. Came Shabbos in Chutzlaret, Achrem Shal Pesach. Again we're not laying Achremais. <coughs> comes the next Sunday, the Sunday after Pesach, and again we're starting Achrei Mais. So this Shabbos Mitzvah, we are finally, finally, finally getting around to it, we are finally going to lane Pashas Achrei Mais. What a build-up for Achrei Mais. Three weeks. Three weeks of Achrei Mais, we're all experts already, we know exactly what it says in the Pasuk, we know exactly what the Torah talks about there. We learned every Rashi so carefully, scrutinized every word, because we learned it so many times over. Three times we're learning this portion. The Pasha begins with Achrei Meis, after the death. Now, some people ask, after what? Why are you saying after? Why is it called after, not before? Obviously, the dinim that are being discussed in this Pasha are discussed after the passing of the two sons of Aaron. What happened to the sons of Aaron? So there are different things the Medish tells us. None of you were very holy. And they went into the Holy of Holies. 
And that's one of the reasons it's written that they passed away. Only the high priest, which at that time was their father, Aaron Akai, was allowed in there. Another opinion is they did not have the garments that were necessitated for going into this, in doing this service. The eight garments that it was required of a king godl. Another iniquity of theirs, says another another commentary. Unfortunately, they were not. They did not have any children. Another iniquity, another shortcoming of theirs, they weren't married. <laughs> what do any of these things have in common? Well, the fact they weren't married and didn't have children, okay, I understand that. But what does it have to do with the garments? What does it have to do with going into Kedush Kedoshim, etc.? Basak says, after the passing of the two sons of Aaron, they came before God, <coughs> and then it says, and they died. Why does that say? It says, they died already. Why do you have to say, and they died? We also have to understand, these were no little slouches, these two. Another one of you are very, very, very prestigious and holy people. How is it that they sinned such a grave sin that caused the brought about death? I mean, Chazal tell us if you keep your score at home, you might as Zvachim Kuftes Vovom at base, hundred fifteen side two. They were greater than Meshach and Aaron. And Moshe tells Aaron afterwards, I see, in, I see that they were greater than you and I. How did they come off to sinning such a grave sin that caused them to be brought to death? <clears throat> so it would only be apropos to explain such a concept concepts to the words of Chassidus. The passing of another one of you was because they were such great righteous people. Their hearts were in fire. They were on fire. They had such a tremendous yearning and love for God. And we spoke about this in past Shurim. And this brought about what's called Kalis HaNefesh. They just left their souls. Souls just flew out of their bodies. They just wanted to be attached to the never-ending Kedusha holiness of godliness. wildest people to say that they were such a high level, they were so holy, they were so special, they were so everything that they just, their souls flew. Bottom line, it's a sin.
one cannot bring themselves to such a level of quote-unquote ecstasy without the drug to Chalitza Nefesh. This doesn't go hand in hand. This is not with the Ratzon of Hashem. If you listen, if you learned this morning, Tanya, you also see the same thing. It's a little bit of a long shir, but it also talks about the ways to love and fear God. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world to make a dwelling place down in this world, a neshama biguf, a holy soul in a body, a physical, mundane body. Thereby take the metzias of the chumniyistic world, all the different physical items in the world, and make them spiritual. Make them be fitting to be a godly vessel, a lulav and an esrig, a matzah, anything that we do a mitzvah with, a cheesecake, no, not quite, but when we eat the cheesecake, we have to make a bracha, by making a bracha, we elevate it, by eating it the shame mitzvah, because the shvuas, we eat milchiks, you're elevating it, by just eating it because you're gluttonous and you like cheesecake with coffee, with hot chocolate, whatever you do, whatever floats your boat, as we say in America, not necessarily ideal. But we do have the mission to make every physical item that we come in contact with and elevate it to spirituality. And therefore, the obligation of each and every person is to elevate, to purify, to change from within, so much so that this should become a dwelling place for God, everything that we have to do with on this world, and Kalis HaNefesh, giving up your soul, just flying out, is not on the agenda. It's not what's supposed to happen. And therefore, what they did, trying to reach such a level, and reaching and ascertaining such a level, that their neshamas flew out, was a no-no. It was a sin. So now we understand what it says with Kavasim Hashem when they brought before God. Vayamusu again talks about they died. Vayamusu says that's not the end result, but that's what a sin does. When they are in sinned, that they came so close to God and they died from it till they came to Kalis Nefesh, it terminated and therefore not exonerating them, but no longer being, uh, they it took them away, took away their capacity and capability of being able to do what the Neshama needs to accomplish in this world. When do I know it's too much? When do I feel, why do I feel inadequate why do I feel that I've not done anything? I can't do anything. That I don't know anything. I'm not. Re- my self worth is not so great. 
how do I take energy, spirituality from my Torah and mitzvahs? After all, I can't even read Hebrew properly. I do everything in English. Unless someone helps me pronunciate, pronounce words, enunciate the words. So what is it all worth? I light a Shabbos candle, I make a bracha. I break my teeth making, saying Kiddush on Friday night. I try to make a beautiful Shabbos. I put stock in my pushka. What is it worth? Who am I? Who am I? Who was I? Who will I be? What have I been through? What do I know already? And at this point in my stage in my life, look at Rabbi Akiva at 40 years old, was looking at the drops of water, wearing out a stone, and said, wow, if this is what Terah is, and it can wear, it can get, and it can infuse itself into anything. If water can, the softest thing in the water, could break the hardest thing as stone, then Terah could definitely penetrate into me as well, and therefore, at 40 years old, began to learn, and didn't find it easy at that time either. So what I'm doing, whatever I'm doing, to the best of my capacity, things that I used to do and I stopped doing entirely because I gave up on God, now all of a sudden I find reason, I find unconditional love that needs, that's bringing me back to, inspiring me to sit and to do what I need to do. I want to learn a maimer. I want to connect, but I'm so far. Is it even possible? Is it any way, which way, form or fashion possible? And then someone approaches me and says, Teach me! I can't teach them if I don't know what I have to teach. I don't know how, what, what I'm supposed to be teaching. And again, we reiterate someone who knows Aleph and Bayes can teach the person Aleph that doesn't know Aleph yet. And they can learn together Bayes and they can learn together Gimel. By learning together, and if you have a doubt in what you're saying and learning, you ask. There's plenty of people to turn to to ask. In today's modern era, between text, WhatsApp, etc., there's no problem. There's ask the rabbis on every website. The mission that you are going and you embarked on is something that you can do as hard as it looks. And with all the obstacles that are put before you, having to walk to who knows where to get it to be with a Shabbos meal, a proper Shabbos meal, a proper Yom Tov meal, every step that you took, that you take, creates another angel and elevates and carries you higher and higher. You do not have to reach and ascertain and achieve Kaleis HaNefesh, the end of the soul leaving your body in order to feel that you actually did what you need to do. That's actually a sin. Your mission is to be here in this world and do whatever you can within your, capaci- within your capacity. Therefore we find that the Medish tells us they went in the Fnaiv Lifnim. They went deeper than they had to go.
And Mechseri Begadim, they were lacking the garments. Garments refer to mitzvahs. Every mitzvah we do gives us another garment. They were lacking these garments because they did not want to do the physical mundane mitzvahs. They wanted to have only the spiritual. And therefore, leaving, wanting to leave and depart from this physical world. The fact they were not married and did not have children shows as well how they did not want to be involved whatsoever in the physical mundane world. So therefore the passing of the sons of Aaron teach us a very powerful lesson. Every Jew has times. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. And those times they get to the tremendous emotional connections and heights. They always need to remember. During these high holy moments we need to come back down to this world and make it that better place, sanctify it, and take the physical and make it into spiritual. To turn the entire world over, that it should be fit and befitting for Dirilei's Barak B'Takhtenu. The Gemara tells us, if you keep in score at home, Chagiga Yudalet Amit Beis, 14 side 2. And the Imara tells us, Arba Nichnesula Paradis. There were four great sages that went into Paradis. The Paradis would actually be in a garden, but it went up to heaven to the highest of levels to see what's going on. Ben Azai was one of them, he just passed, he died, he passed away from it. And then the other two, each one of the things that happened to them, and then finally Rabbi Akiva. He went in in peace and left in peace. They wanted to see what was so special and how they could reach up to the highest levels of Tera. The Rosia Tera. And with this, of course, attached themselves in a, that much better and more spiritual way to God. Benazai was in a situation similar to the sons of Aaron, one of the reasons he was known Ben Azai, not his own name, was because he didn't have children or he did not marry. And got very, very, very close. And his yearning for the holiness, for the sanctity, pulled him to the other side. He went over the boundary. Rabbi Akiva, on the other hand, was Nichnas Bishalom Yetzir Bishalom. Again, we're talking about the same Rabbi Akiva that started at 40 years old to study Torah. <laughs> Very interesting expression. He went in in peace and came out in peace. Of course he went in in peace. All of them went in in peace. Their exits were different. End results were different. But the entering of the Paradise, everybody went in in peace. So therefore the Gemara is emphasizing going into Pardis was an established thing and Rabbi Akiva went in in peace as well. And therefore because he went in with inner peace he came out with inner peace. 
He had no other intention but to do and serve God by doing this. Since that was his intention as he entered into paradise, and therefore it was a peaceful one itself, in its own right, going to a little bit of a dangerous areas, red zones, which could have caused them to have affected others, but that was not what he was looking to do. Therefore he was successful in being careful, not overstepping his boundaries, and he came out B'Shalom. But there's a higher level than Rabbi Akiva as well. And that is the level of Avraham of Inu. Our forefather Avraham. Even though Rabbi Akiva wanted only the Ratzin of Hashem to stand in front of him, still in all, to be Mesa Nefesh and Kiddush Hashem, Like he says to Talmudim when he was killed by the Romans, Kol All my life I wanted to know when this would finally happen. Therefore, as the words of Shema Yisrael on his lips, he's passed away. And the Talmudim who were complaining about it, he answered them, again, if you keep in score at home, by the way, the gets the Gemara and Brachis, Samachalaf on the base, 61 side 2. He told us, Tamidim, all his life he wanted to be able to achieve this, leaving the world literally for God's name and sake. Whereas Avraham Avinu did not look for this. He did not look for this mysterious nefesh of just giving over his soul to God. He didn't think about any kind of merits at all, as a matter of fact. He wasn't looking for any rewards. He thought about God and God itself. And his entire life and essence and involvement of Avraham was one thing, to spread God's name in the world. If this would necessitate a Messiah's Nefesh, he would do so. And that's why he was Kedach Ametzias. Not because he was looking for the merit of Messias Nefesh. He was looking for the merit of attaching himself to God and doing God's will. And that's all he looked to accomplish, and that's what he did. However, when he was thrown into the furnace or anything of the sort, sacrificing his own son, if it was to the will of God, he took care, he did that as well. So the way of Avraham Vino was to lighten for everyone. He was a a lamplighter for all of us. Not to think about ourselves, on the merits that we're going to get for this or for that, but rather to give over and to devote ourselves, our hearts and souls, for one and only one mission and only one reason is for the doing of God's will, completing God's will. And by doing everything Hashem Shemayim, 
in the way of in every way that a person goes, they should know God. And this attitude and this approach is a Knisa B'Shalom, going in B'Shalom, going in in peace, and therefore ultimately will bring us out in peace. The Pasuk tells us the work of the Kain Godl in the beginning of the Pasha still, the Ramam draws us a picture of how what was going on over here. According to the Mishnah, the Kain Godl came out of his house No, I'm sorry, he went out to his house as he completed his work. And everybody accompanied him. And it was a tremendous yumtif for the ones he loved. Uh, he came out of the Holy of Holies in one piece. Because if there was any malintent or any improper intentions, then God lied. So the fact that he did everything that he had to do and he went through it from soup to nuts, A to Z, and he came out alive, it became a big yomtif. So it seems, as we said, the yomtif was because he did everything right. The fact that he spent a few seconds in the Holy of Holies was literally Sakana Stafashis. And Kahn and that were not fit for it, died. And therefore the Kangala was said, told, don't hang out there too long. Don't pray too long in Kedish Kedashim because you're going to scare everybody. So when he came out, it was a big joy and they made a big festive meal for it. But the fact is though, this Sunnah, this partying, was for the Kain Gadol. It was a private issue. What have to do with Yom Kippur B'Samidosh? Why is the Ramam ring is elaborating on this? He talks about halachas only. What halacha are we learning from this? We understand this according to the, stre- the emphasis that Teda has on the obligations of the King Godel to be married and to daven not only for himself but for his family. The Mishnah Yuma, keeping score at home, Lamed Hay, the bottom of Ahmed Bey's. Whereas the keeper the king Godel had to separate from his house, sanctify himself. So if this was an actual must, during his Aveda, he davened for his entire household. And when he finished, he went home to his wife and children. This approach shows us and gives us the actual service of the Migdash. On one hand, the highest level of holiness, of sanctity, which doesn't get higher, 
the service of the Kain Godly Yom Kippur was the greatest of great going into Kedush Kedushim place of the holy of holies holiest place in the world on Yom Kippur the holiest day but don't separate yourself from the world remain human stay a person take these holy moments physical mundane world and therefore when he finishes he goes home this is the whole idea of what had to happen here being in the Beis HaMikdash to go and to pass over the holiness of godliness to his household to his family and we find similarly by Rabbi Akiva it says we said before the same concept as we said Nichnas V'Shalom V'Yetzim V'Shalom that the coming out B'Shalom was for the world to be impressed and this is how we fulfill Lasus they did it in the ultimate, most holy, special ways. When we bring the holiness of the highest level into the world itself, the world of Whoops. Pasha tells us the commandment as you said before we're going to speak about this at the end of the Pasha Rashi explains tell the Jews I am God their God I am the one that said and your acceptance of Kabbalus, Kibaltam Aleichem, Malchus, you accepted Malchus, and now accept my decrees. Accepted the royalty of God, the kingdom, kingship of God. What's the difference, Kabbalus Aleichem, Malchus, Malchusi, to Kabbalus Exodus, the decrees? person accepts upon himself the king obviously he accepts upon himself this king is whatever he's going to tell him to do so perhaps we could say the acceptance of Malchus Shemayim that they accepted upon themselves B'nai Yisrael HaSinai they received this, they accepted upon them only the mitzvahs that they understand in Seichel that it makes sense or at least they're not against Seichel but they didn't necessarily accept the decrees that were put down that don't have logic behind them. 
the Arayas, the Arayas that are mentioned in the end of the Parsha, the people that you're not allowed to marry, they're the opposite of everything here. Marriage is a man and a woman become one It's make it may only dictate sense common sense would dictate that if they were one from beforehand and everything else they were so much closer, then that would be so much more beautiful. Marriage needs to be a holy elevation, not in prohibition. And therefore Kaj Baruch now commands about all these arayas. This is a gzeda a decree for the natural nat- natural order warning on all the other decrees and therefore now I'm telling you I'm giving you the decrees that I give in part of Teda not just the mitzvahs and this too of course would fall into place with Asu Siagla Teda to do make a boundary for Teda which we said before the Mishnah and may we be zeichet take to see the Kain Gadol do his Aveda once again the Beis Hamikdash Hashlishi in Kedesh Hakadoshim in Shlaim in Hakedesh this very Shabbos good Shabbos to all don't forget Pirkei Aves.